0: Hello, and welcome to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, aka Nomad Neeks, and this podcast is the place to be if you are looking to start creating a lifestyle that you love. From business, entrepreneurship, travel, starting and sustaining a digital nomad lifestyle, and of course, making money online and investing, we talk about all of it here. So let's dive into it. Welcome back to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. This is our Digital Nomad Digest segment with myself and with Kami. So today we are going to be talking about one of my favorite topics that makes me <laughs> so excited to talk about this. It's basically like, fuck no. But it is finance, obviously. And yeah, we're going to kind of have a little discussion. Kami's going to ask me some questions. I'm sure some questions will pop up. And just talk about digital nomad finances and global citizen finances. And maybe I can start by how I personally differentiate those two, because I find for concepts like this, a lot of the time what I'm actually referring to is global citizen finance and not so much digital nomad finance. And for me to just differentiate the two in my mind, digital nomad finance is somebody who, or just digital nomad in general, is somebody who is. Knowing that they want to travel, they want to explore the world, whether it be for months, for years, doesn't matter. But at some point, they are pretty certain they will be going back to their home country. They will be maybe buying a house there, kind of living out the normal life, or even it looks like living six to eight months and having your primary residence in that country. So for me, in these concepts, I like to differentiate digital nomad is when you likely are not going to be leaving your home country permanently. Whereas a global citizen, similar to what I have done and what Cami would love to do and what many other travelers would like to do in the future, I'm sure, who don't feel completely aligned with their country, and they know that they are never going to be coming back. Like myself, they want to leave the residence behind, or in some cases, leave the passport behind and find a new country to call home, knowing that they will likely never have assets, never buy a house, never have any major purchases or investments in their quote-unquote home country or country where they were born ever again. So for this conversation, we'll be talking a lot more about the global citizen aspect of things and less of the digital nomad because this is a lot less applicable. If you're just a traveler, then of course, you will likely stay a resident of your home country. So Cammy, ask away, start easy on me. No, I'm kidding. Let's (laughs) dive into it. I love this topic.
1: Yeah, I'm also secretly excited not so secretly because i just announced it (laughs) to be um, to have all of my questions answered so yeah i'm really really excited so i feel like the differentiation that i have in my head is like if i would be investing as a digital nomad i would be investing within a bank or like an investment bank inside of my home country versus me right now which is my current situation not investing because i don't want to put my money in my regional country so right now i'm in this weird limbo of not knowing how to invest while not having like a bank account because i only have like digital bank accounts like n26 monzo things like that but i don't really they don't really do I think maybe they do like some investing but i know that you know it's not the same as another investment bank so and right now if i were to get one here there would be so many processes that i would have to go into that i'm not even sure that i could you know not having papers on my papers in the sense of like a contract in my on my name like an apartment contract on my name and things like that so for me i feel like my first baby question is How do we just start investing in another country as a global citizen if I don't want to invest in my original country?
0: I'm going to try to break this down into a few different parts. And the part is you really want to have, as a global citizen, bank accounts in as many countries as you possibly can. That does include your home country. It's the easiest, especially before you have left the residency of your home country, to get multiple bank accounts in your home country. You may not be able to use those or may not want to use those once you have left the residency of that country, but you're going to want to have them there. They're not going to get shut down. They'll just sit there and they'll be inactive. Or, you know, in Canada, you know you can hold a little bit of money, but you can't really do all of your banking there. That still deems you as a non-resident. What I would recommend for... You, in your specific instance, and I think a lot of others kind of starting out on this global citizen journey are likely in a similar situation to you. What I would recommend is whenever you go back to your home country, so whenever you go back to Brazil, open up physical bank accounts if you don't have them already. Let's just say Wise as a good example. Wise is not the bank. There is a bank that is then backing that institution. It's not Wise is not the bank. It's just the institution itself. So You want to have as many real bank accounts as you actually can, but that is increasingly getting much more difficult. In most countries now, you need to be a resident to open any type of bank account. Georgia is an exception. So if you go to Georgia like I did a few years ago, open up as many bank accounts as you can. But... I would recommend, you know, even if you're not going to use them, open up a bank account that has no fee or really, really low fee or a fee if you hold a few thousand or a fee waived if you hold a few thousand dollars or something like that so that you have that bank account is really most important. I totally understand, like, you don't want the Brazilian government to have any claims on your money. That's fine. You don't have to have anything in there, but it is a good backup because once you leave the Brazilian residency and you never plan on coming back, you likely will never be able to actually open a bank account there. But if it's open, you can still use it. So that's what I would recommend, first of all. And another reason for that is because a lot of these, so I know WISE is one with crypto, and a lot of them specific for crypto, I think less for investing, but you never know what charges they're going to block. So if I want to send, let's say, a crypto payment to my crypto account, I cannot go through WISE. So if you can't do a direct bank transfer, then you're kind of screwed to get money into your crypto account to actually buy crypto. I recommend having a bank account that is a country bank account if possible.
1: Okay, so we have the first piece of the puzzle which is opening the several bank accounts the most that I can. So just so we can summarize this in a easy way. The reason why I recommend us to open several bank accounts wherever we can in the world is first, So after we leave the residency, we can have access to them, even if we're not there. I didn't know that if I left Brazil as a resident, I could still keep a bank account there.
0: Look into it, but most countries you will be able to. Likely the government's not going to be like, get rid of every single thing you own as long as you cut those basic ties. Mm. And and again, you'll have to see what that looks like in Brazil. Then it should be okay. It's not. There's no hard, steadfast rule. Mm. Unfortunately, in Canada... They could have told me you have to close all of your bank accounts, but because I had almost no other ties, the bank accounts and the credit cards and having a driver's license and the passport were not a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Also, technically, in Canada and in some other countries, you're supposed to get rid of your driver's license. So that's another consideration. Where are you going? Are they going to be able to get you a driver's license? Are they going to have access to maybe free healthcare care if your home country had that? You know, there's a lot of considerations. Yeah. But it, it, it's such a case by case, like I can't say for sure. But also open, open the bank accounts. But sale.
1: what are the main benefits of having multiple bank accounts? Because I keep thinking like I'm going to have to manage all of that, keep tabs on them. I'm going to have to keep paying these like random fees if there are any like. What are the benefits of having multiple?
0: Well, th- honestly, there's not that many cons. The pros are diversification. So it's better to have a bank account that you're not using than to have one bank account that one country, let's say Brazil, as an example, really had claims to. And they can say, hey, you're not a resident here. All of your transactions are going in and coming out of this one bank account. And we don't like that. I was actually just watching a video and it's so true that increasingly more countries are seeing digital nomads and travelers using their bank cards, their credit cards, whatnot abroad, specifically, you know, the debit bank cards. And they're not loving that. And these banks and these governments can essentially do whatever they want. They can tell you, your account's gonna be closed in five days. Good luck, find somewhere else to put your money. Or they can just close it on you so next time that you try to make a transaction, sorry, can't do that. But you really want to be able to diversify. And if one Brazilian bank is doing that to you, as an example, likely all of the others are going to do the same because it's a problem with your residency coming from the government, not just coming from that one specific bank. You wanna have money And bank accounts, a little bit of money, if possible, in all different bank accounts that you have. And you can hold a lot of your money in one or two or three different accounts. But I know it can, like you said, it can be kind of like, oh, I have all these bank accounts everywhere and it's kind of confusing. But as long as you can compartmentalize or even download all of the apps of the bank accounts that I have, so I can just go into my finance folder on my phone and see okay, these are all the places. I know how much money is in each because some of them not a lot of money is really flowing in and out of, and most of them are free or really, really low fee bank accounts. That diversification is really the importance. Diversification doesn't matter if you're a resident, if you're not living this lifestyle. If if you're a resident of your home country and if you're not living this lifestyle, it doesn't matter because you're not going to be able to open a bank account in another country. They're not going to let you and you're getting paid by an employer in your home country. The government likes you, they want you. Continue banking in their system. But when you start living a global citizen lifestyle or even a digital nomad lifestyle, some banks may not love all the foreign transactions. That's when you really want to start diversifying yourself because, and even some of these fintechs, I know WISE will block your, I believe it is a business account specifically. This hasn't happened to my business account yet, but I know some people that it has happened to. They will block after you hit a certain amount of transaction fees. I don't know what that is because I have a lot of transactions. So I don't know if the policy has changed or what that is, but they will block your account and say, hey, we need this business documentation from you. And then once you provide it to them, then they will unblock your account and let you continue. So now going back to your first question regarding investing, which we talked about the bank accounts and that's a really important aspect of it, but how to actually get started investing. I know for your case specifically, you are thinking, I don't want to invest because I want to get another residency and then start investing through that country or through that residency. However, if you hold your money in cash, we all know this, but I think once you really internalize it, it's like, okay, it's better to start investing in a reliable exchange is important, even through a country that is maybe not the most reliable. It's really the exchange that's going to be holding your money. It's better to start investing into At least match inflation than to just hold it and be doing absolutely nothing in a savings account. Even if it's like a high yield savings account, you can likely just get more, you know, an 8% return in the stock market. What I would recommend for you and for any other global citizen, digital nomad starting this journey, if you have not yet gotten your residency, then start investing in your home country. That's what I did before I even embarked on my global citizen journey, before I even knew I was going to be leaving Canada. I was investing. In Canada, that was the only place I could invest. And you want to make sure that you have something. And the nice thing about investing is that it can literally sit there. Once you stop becoming a resident, you can, of course, and for me and for most people, once you're not a resident, you can't have contributions anymore. So you can't put more money into that account, but it can still sit there and it can still gain interest, gain money, produce yields, produce um, any dividends if you have that, which is great, which may be taxable. But whenever you withdraw, it, you may have to pay tax on that, but that might not be for 60 years. Maybe you've got a million dollars in your portfolio by then, which will be probably a lot of tax, especially as a non-resident. But wouldn't you rather be paying even 50% tax and get 50% of a million dollars than have absolutely nothing? What I would recommend to anybody listening, if even if you are wanting to invest somewhere else, just start in your home country, open the bank accounts, and you likely, it's different for every country, but you'll likely have to be in your home country to open those bank accounts, get the documentation, whatever it is that they need, and start investing. Just start investing small. But then if you know that you're looking to leave, also start looking at a plan so that you can leave. Then- Another important piece, because I know you mentioned Brazil and there's a lot of countries around the world, even Canada, I don't trust that government, you know, whether it be corruption or just distrust or whatever it may be, that shouldn't stop you from investing. You know, of course, you want to leave your home country for that reason, but it shouldn't stop you from building your own personal wealth. Use an exchange that is recruitable. One in Canada that I use is Questrade, recruitable another huge one is interactive brokers they're in over 100 countries around the world they're in brazil they're in canada and you can invest with Canadian dollar accounts american dollar accounts so you can use not your home country's currency because the exchange itself is a reputable exchange another one in europe and again in over 100 countries around the world is etoro is another important one i touch on this on my episode that's coming out on monday in more detail in the episode on Monday is very similar to these topics. But one thing I do want to note is that in order to open really any, any account these days, especially when it comes to a brokerage and investing account, you're going to need proof of address. Once you leave Brazil, then it's going to be a lot more difficult for you because you're not a resident, but also to get proof of address. So if you're still, even if you're not living there, if you're still technically in their system, It doesn't hurt even if you have zero dollars in that investing account to just have it open because you don't know how long a residency process is going to take. I would say on average, it could take a year. Do you want to just not invest any of your money for the next year? Or would you rather have that account, even if there's nothing in it, so that if you feel the urge to start investing or learning about investing, then it's there. It'll take you know five days, usually less, to transfer the money into that account because you have your Brazilian bank account, you have your Brazilian investing account. And that's that, you know, and if you don't invest that much money in it, like I'd say ten to $20,000 or less, then the tax rates are going to be pretty favorable. Don't let the tax rates stop you or let you not start your investing journey. But then, of course, be proactive and start looking at where you're going to get residency and what that's going to look like for the future. Like there is a shorter term plan for you to start investing somewhere else as well.
1: The only thing that I, I have a question because you keep you kept saying like the exchange. Is the exchange the same as a an investment banking or are they different?
0: You'll start by open, opening your Interactive Brokers account. You'll need the proof of address and, you know, your ID and all of that stuff. And then once you have any, again, any reputable investment account, which would be eToro, Interactive Brokers, Trade in Canada, there's a lot of them out there, you will transfer your money in. So that's the first step you need fund your account, which means that you need a bank account in that country as well, then you're able to start investing. Now, for me personally, I don't invest in like one-off stocks. You can just start investing in like Apple or Tesla. And that is in most countries, I believe. I've never invested in Brazil, but I know some countries, again, this is specific to whatever country you're in, they will have different exchanges. So I was just looking, Brazil, there's quite a few pretty big exchanges that you can trade on. So in America, there's the NASDAQ is a really, really big one. And then some countries will let you invest in foreign stock markets as well. So you'll have to take a look and see what Brazil has. But Brazil might be, you might be able to invest in foreign companies, which usually would be, you know, American companies. And then you want to make sure that those are, of course, reputable companies. What I like to do, I like to invest in index funds an index fund is essentially you're not buying one stock because one stock is pretty risky. So if you don't want to pay that higher price point and you want stocks, then it's going to be a lower price point stock. But that means that it's likely going to fluctuate that price and it's risky because if something happens to that company, if it goes under, whatever happens, then you could kind of lose all your money. If it goes down, 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 it never recovers. What I like to invest in instead of having the risk of one stock is index funds. And index funds are basically so the S&P 500 is a really, really good example where it's an American fund and it holds the top 500 best performing companies across a whole bunch of industries. So like Coca-Cola, Facebook, Alphabet, like whatever the companies that we all know likely in there across different industries. So it's really safe because, yeah, it's going to go up and down with the market, but it's never going to crash to zero because if company 500 or 499 all of a sudden isn't doing so hot, it's gonna get out and another company is going to come in. So it's a lot safer. Yeah, it's still volatile. It'll still go up and down with the stock market and the economy. But that's why for me personally, I long term invest. So I don't buy anything without thinking that I am never going to be withdrawing it, except potentially in like 40, 40 years. 40, 50 years. How old am I? Am <laughs> I going to be alive in 50 years? You know, so like enough time where It doesn't really matter the day-to-day of the market because that's not what I'm worried about. As long as it performs well in the next four decades, that is what I'm worried about. Then I buy bonds, which kind of balances it, which is government loans. But that's a little bit more complex. That's kind of like the basics of what it's going to look like. It depends for every country. But for me, something solid never means just one individual stock. I've done that before and I've lost money almost every single time. Because you just you don't know what the future is going to hold. So you don't want to put all of your eggs into one company's basket that you can't control what the company is doing.
1: Just repeating a little bit, refreshing my memory as to what dividends are.
0: So a dividend means that because you have purchased, let's say this is just one individual stock, because you purchased that one stock, you then get rewarded for being a shareholder in that company and holding that stock for as long as you hold it they will pay out a dividend to you. And every company, it looks different. It'll typically be on a quarterly or maybe an annual basis. Sometimes it'll be monthly, which would be great. But, and then the percentage is not a super high percentage. Some people can live off of their dividend yields if they have a million plus dollars in their portfolio. That kind of gives you an idea of, doesn't pay out a lot, but it does pay out something. And then you can choose to either reinvest It's called in English, it's called like a drip. You can reinvest those dividends and basically not take the money and it just goes back into buying more of the stock or you can take the money and it can, you know, cool up in your account eventually and then you can withdraw it and do whatever you want with it. So that is what a dividend is. And I like investing in dividend stocks.
1: Question, when it drips back, is it always connected to, and is it always reinvesting in the stock in which you're receiving the dividend from, or can you choose whether it's dripping back into the same stock or another one?
0: When it's like a a drip, the reinvestment program, it will go, it'll just automatically purchase the same stock. Mm, So like you don't even see the money, it just goes back in and it's a cycle. So you basically just get more. Instead of getting the dividend, you're just going to get more stock.
1: So basically, if I want to have a dividend tomorrow, for example, can I I open the account, what are the steps? Then, like if I okay, I invest a part of my money in the index fund and then another part of my money I want it to give me dividends. Then what would be the next step for me to take? Is it to invest in a stock like one how does it work?
0: So you don't get a dividend unless you are invested in a stock or an index fund, whatever it may be, that pay a dividend. Mm. And you'll have to check the pay schedule as well, because like I said, if you're like, oh, I'm going to invest in this and tomorrow I'm going to get a dividend, like it's likely not going to work like that <laughs> unless the new quarter is tomorrow <laughs> or pays a monthly, you know, Like, so yeah. likely it won't work like that. And also if you're investing a $1,000 in- and it's not going to be much. They're very, very low percentages because think of everybody who is owning this stock and some companies choose not to pay dividends. So they don't give that money back to shareholders or if the company is doing poorly, then they can stop dividends and then potentially restart or not restart them in the future. It's not a for sure guaranteed thing. I'm trying
1: to draw things in my head so it's really clear and hopefully for the this is helping. In, this is helping as well. So basically, like I can I imagine myself going into this bank account, my new broker's bank account or whatever my new investment bank account, and then I have basically two little square of options which would which the first one would be like stock, and then within stocks, I have the index fund, and then the other little square would be bonds, and then that would be like the government and things like that. And then the dividends I get while I'm choosing within the the stocks is that correct because it's not like a third little square evidence it's like something that is coming off of whatever stock i'm investing in so i have to choose either an index or a stock that gives out dividends
0: exactly and i love that you're like trying to compartmentalize and picture it in your head but honestly the best thing i would say is sign up for an exchange and just go look at it and it's going to be confusing There will likely be, sometimes it's really difficult, which I find so silly to find in the platform. So there'll be somewhere that says research or market research or something along those lines. And that is where you'll be able to go in and actually just type in any ticker symbol. And then you'll be able to see the last two years, the last five years, how they've been doing, what it costs now. The software market is also only open certain hours so you'll be able to see okay when it closed this was how much it is so you don't know what it's going to be it's going to be something similar but you don't know exactly the penny it's going to be when it opens the next day you'll be able to see all of the info if the company's doing well if the company's not doing well if it pays dividends so just go in take a look anything that's traded any investment will be in there i recommend do it yourself have the knowledge go into the platform and play around with it and call them if i ever have any questions like when i was like where the heck is this market research tab i just called them or you can live chat they are working for you you are paying them a fee it's usually a, a pretty low fee so they're making money off of you so utilize them as a resource get to know the platform they'll probably also have i know interactive brokers has a university so You can watch all the modules online and it's very comprehensive and see exactly how to navigate the form, the basics of investing, all of those things. But definitely know a little bit about what you're doing before going into it. If you don't love your country, (laughs) if you're listening, maybe a possibility. That's okay, But just don't, don't let that stop you from hedging against inflation or putting aside money for a later date or retirement, whatever that may be. Don't let that stop you or hinder you because yeah, I don't want to pay taxes either, but I'd rather pay taxes on a million than taxes on nothing.
1: I like that way of thinking. I feel like my one of my biggest resistance with investing is scared of making the wrong decision, you know, and like putting your money in a place that's not either going to bring you that much or that you're gonna lose it or something like you know so i feel like a lot of people resort to pain people because they're so afraid of trusting themselves because it feels like such a complex and volatile and and like just confusing environment yeah yeah.
0: i think what you said is so relevant and so valid and i know we talked about this a few episodes back but i think especially as women it can seem very intimidating because traditionally and i think this is so fucked up and i hate it and that's why i want more people to invest but also more women to invest because traditionally women are in charge of the household finances which is like the groceries and the very small day to day whereas the men are in charge of the big things the investing it's just that men traditionally have the narrative of oh this is what you're supposed to do and this is how you take care of a family so Even though they may feel the same way that you feel, I believe that they just do it anyways. Whereas women, we, and and it's very common, genetically women are a little bit more hesitant, a little bit more standoffish, which is fine, but don't let that stop you from building anything in your future. And it's so interesting for me because we can have discussions like this all day. But a big holdup for a lot of people, not even women, just people in general, are exactly what you said, which is I don't want to lose money. I don't know what to put my investments in. So I'm just not gonna do anything, which is totally relevant. And I I have read many, many finance books. I very rarely to, to never, very rarely to never. It sounds weird, but oh, that's right. Very rarely to never see. Anybody telling you what to actually invest in, which is the biggest holdup for most people. But there's a reason why I was thinking about doing an episode about this. But at the same time, it's so difficult because everybody has different beliefs. Everybody wants to invest in something different. So to actually tell somebody, even if you're trying to help them, even if there's no, you know, they fill out a legal disclaimer and it's like this is not investing advice, whatever. It's very difficult to tell somebody.
1: I really like this. I think this is like really comprehensive. I remember that when I invested with this other platform that I told you about, uh, the Brazilian one, Warren, they had like, as soon as you went into the app, they asked you like your age and things like that. And they kind of had like this little quiz to understand your personality, like your investment personality. And then they would put you kind of like into a, they would suggest something. So they were like, I suggest that you can do, you should like, based on your personality and your age and things like that, I suggest that you do 80% in bonds and 20% in stocks. And then throughout the um, kind of like the time, as time went by, you could actually set in your account like the percentage that you wanted. So if at some point I wanted to create like another kind of account, like a sub account that was like 50 50 or like 10 90 you know something like that you could do that and they would show you exactly how much money you were making out of the bonds and then out of the stocks as well it was a super super interesting honestly i don't know why i stopped like now that i'm saying it that like it's actually was really good because it was really comprehensive for of course, I'm sure that if I did it on my own or things like, like I would be getting like a better rate or I don't know even what it is, but it was just a really comprehensive way for me to understand slowly the different types of investments. And also, I think that when we talk about the personality and your, your own needs, I think that that's also something really important for people to take into consideration because sometimes, like someone wants to take more risks, they're like, ah, YOLO, you know, whatever, I don't care. I'm gonna like buy the stock because I don't care, and I might make a lot of money tomorrow or not. But you know, that's my personality type. But no, but this was really uh, for me. It's, it first inspired me to go and check out these accounts and kind of like not be resistant to investing in Brazil. Then especially right now, because. I'm kind of like in this transition period of where am I going to stay? Am I going to kind of like get an apartment in my name and then be able to get a bank here or no? Am I going to like set up a business somewhere? You know, like so everything is up in the air because everything has been up in the air for the past two years. So if I had just decided something nowadays, I would have more money (laughs) than what I have now. I think that's a great, great thing. And I think that you explained a lot of the, you know, kind of blueprint next step. You've just listened to the Work, Wealth and Travel podcast. If anything from this episode stuck
0: out to you, I would appreciate if you share this podcast on your socials and of course, be sure to tag me at Nomad Weeks. Don't forget to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. And as always, thank you for joining me on this learning journey and I will see you next week.